Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to In Defense of Scott. On today's episode, we have comedian and author Keith Lowell Jensen. He's released eight specials, including Not for Rehire and Atheist Christmas. He's also written the book Punching Nazis and Other Good Ideas. His second book, What I Was Arrested For, will be available for pre-order later this year. But what's most important about Keith is that he's an avid ska lover. He loves ska so much that he annoys his fellow comedians with copious ska while they're on the road. Let's take a listen to what comedian Johnny Taylor has to say about Keith and his love for ska. Keith is a very annoying person to begin with. So it's it's like one of those things where one time we were going on a road trip and I wa- I got into his car and the first, we were getting ready to go to Phoenix from Sacramento, which is like a 12 hour drive. And like it's 730 in the morning and I get in and he goes, are you are you wearing cologne? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, uh, the, the heater's really activating it. And I was like, okay, so it's going to be the worst fucking 12-hour trip of all time if you're giving me shit about, like, my scent the first minute. And so uh, this is the first real trip where I was introduced to Keith really uh, liking ska music. And not just liking it, like, he re- really, really, really likes it. And... Keith, as you know, he's a very, as I said, he can be very annoying. So one of the things Keith does is he doesn't just put the music on and listen to it. He tells you about it and he's like, uh, tries to give you like an education on it. First time you ever listened to it, you know, what girl he was going out with when he first heard the song. Uh, he tries to explain like, you know, the, the pick it up, pick it up, pick it up stuff. And he, none of it connects to me at all. I've never liked the music. And uh, Keith's one of those people that he, as much as he can turn you on to something cool, he could also turn something that you might think is cool at some point. Uh, he'll make you hate it because of how enthusiastic he is about it. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, like Keith is one of the reasons I don't like ska to this day. You saw Keith's late, latest special, right? The, um, uh, not for rehire. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I I really would definitely recommend it to other people. I loved the set dressing with the the moving boxes. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I could definitely relate to it having had a whole bunch of terrible jobs. I never was really one to get fired. I was, I was at temp jobs mostly in my twenties. So you really only got quote unquote, let go. And then the temp agency would just re reassign you. So it was a lot softer hiring or softer firing, excuse me. But, um, I really enjoyed his special. I thought it was really good, except for the part where you're in it. <laughs> I haven't actually watched it back since I was there. How, how often does the camera like one time? Zoom in one, one time, just, oh, okay, just one That's time. It. Then they're like, just once, okay. Yeah, I yeah, I I met Keith like pretty soon after I moved to Sacramento, like five or six years ago, and I really liked his comedy. But when he started you know, rolling out that special, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I love, cause I really love st- uh, storytelling type comedy. And I, I thought that it was like put, put together really well. And I saw his very first performance of it when he was kind of still putting it together. And I, and I, even back then I thought it was really good. I think it's impressive that he's, he's so accessible as a person and as a friend, but he's like kind of a big deal when it comes to comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like way bigger of a deal than, than he led on to me at least. Yeah. And, uh, I, it's really cool. Yeah. And you know, and we got him, we somehow got him. Somehow he's our friend and he <laughs> likes, and he likes ska. All right. Thank you for tuning in. This is the <laughs> Adam and Aaron podcast. I'm your host, Keith Lowell Jensen joined today by my guests, Adam Davis and Aaron Carnes. How you doing guys? Hey. Hi. So, uh, Aaron, I hear your friend Keith likes ska. The whole time I'm writing my book, In Defense of Ska, you're telling me that I need to write a chapter about you, my friend Keith Lake Ska. Yeah. So tell me, why? Why do you deserve a chapter in the official Ska I never book? said I deserved it. I said you should do it because because I wanted it and because I like, I like attention. <laughs> it has nothing to do with whether my desire and, and pursuit of attention has never had anything to do with my uh, deserving attention, whether or not okay. I should, you know, that it was valid that I received the attention, whether or not I was worthy of attention, that none of those have ever entered into the equation. I just like attention. When when was the first time you ever were aware of a music called ska? So I talked to um, this guy, Aaron Carnes, on my podcast. <laughs> Uh, Keith Ol Jensen presents uh, the Keith Ol Jensen show with Keith Ol Jensen. You should go check it out. And uh, and I answered that question, but then I thought about it and I wasn't sure I got it right. So it was either when I saw the specials on MV3, which was a music video show that KROQ put on in Southern California, um, or when I stole my brother's specials cassette tape. But either way, it was the specials and then Madness. And I remember that I saw mods in Riverside and my brother was like, yeah, those are mods. They listen to ska, which isn't totally accurate, but I made that association right away. And I, I never, other than the Vatos in my neighborhood, I never saw anybody that I thought dressed as cool as the mods. I was like, oh my God, those guys are amazing. I should listen to ska also. I know that like the, the Skank and Pickle show, which I've told on your show and, and in my book was like my moment. And that was a, but I'm sure I heard ska before then, but that was the first moment where I knew it was ska and that it was a genre and that it was something that I could 
look into and find more bands doing. Yeah, I think for me, what's funny is I got really into Madness in fourth grade, but when they did, you know, Our House and it, they were kind of moving away from ska then, I think it, it was definitely the, the specials and the cassette tape that I uh, stole from my brother's room. I was always stealing cassette tapes from my brothers to learn about music. Uh, I mean, like there's a hundred bands where I tell you that's how I heard them for the first time. I snuck the cassette tape out of my brother's room. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember like the specials just sounded so different. And uh, I think I was mentioning on my show that, you know, the guy's voices sound black in a way that was like, as soon as you heard it, you were like, oh, that's a black guy, like stereotypically or whatever. I don't know the, the right way to say that. But but that's definitely what I thought as a kid was, oh, that sounds like a black guy. And, and he doesn't sound like, like in my head, like, like I knew I listened to a lot of old, like Chuck Berry and little Richard and stuff with my dad, but like modern black music fit a certain mold. And then there was like sort of hipstery white music, new wave type stuff, you know, and, and the two didn't mix very mm-hmm. often. And to hear this stuff that had this kind of new wavy type sound, but then also this black kind of sound and these black voices, there was something about that that I found very kind of cool and exciting, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it didn't really fall into a category or a box that you had already. Yeah, not only that, but it sort of like broke a lot of the rules of the boxes that I had already. You mm-hmm. know, it was it was weird yeah. in that way. Because th- that era of ska is very sort of new wavy sounding, definitely like a punk influence. Um, you know, um, it, it is a w- real weird mix of music. A- Adam, what while we're on the subject, what was, do you remember what your sort of moment of knowing that you were listening to ska and being a fan of it when that was? Um, I mean, I can't remember a, a definite moment. I mean, a big part of it was definitely flat planet and kind of all the bands that were around that. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, skank and pickle and voodoo. So Glow this schools. would be, Speaking this of would River- be late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> yeah. Back when flat planet started in, in 1981. <laughs> no, no, that was so, a, that was so, a sincere question. I'm trying to. Uh, oh no, no, no. This is like mid mid nineties. I mean, okay. I didn't. I wasn't going to shows until probably. I mean, my first show was The Cure in 1992. Okay. So Keith, you brought up um, Riverside, right? I, I grew up in Corona. Do, do you have any? Okay. Do you have any? Did you ever go to the Showcase Theater, or did you ever see uh, Voodoo I, Glow Skulls? I, I believe I've seen Voodoo Glow Skulls. Um. I, I never went to the showcase that I remember because I was 14 when I left there. And then when mm. I went back, we mostly went to like punk shows in like warehouses and stuff. I'm trying to think, God, I must've gone to the showcase at some point when I was down there with Spike and Mike or whatever. But um, no, I, I mean, it's not like I grew up going there. Right. And you, you know, no, no interactions with the Voodoo Glow Schools guys. No, I knew a roadie for Guttermouth and they all kind of hung out together. So there yeah. were always stories about them. You know, always funny stories. Right. Mm-hmm. I I can remember in high school um a group of of uh, Aaron's friends all going to Berkeley Square to see the Voodoo Glass. Yeah, yeah. And coming back just blown away by uh what they were doing because it was it was so much different than kind of the more goofy fun ska punk that yeah. was happening around here it was much more like uh, aggressive more hard what is based. it about southern california it's just so 
nihilistic and like even when they're having fun it, there's this dark edge to it <laughs> yeah i don't know i definitely have noticed that too i mean other than um the oc scene which is very uh like the goofiest of the goofy sky right well that's where the you know the, the rich white conservatives live and then their children have ska bands that's the, <laughs> that's their <Hey> rebellion <laughs> You know, Adam, it's funny. Um, we I don't think Flat Planet ever played with Voodoo Ghost Skulls, but one time on tour, we were down in Riverside, and we lost, a, we we missed a show or something fell through. So we're we knew Voodoo Ghost Skulls were playing at the showcase. So we're like, let's just go over there and we'll just ask them if we can play tonight. And we went in there. We like talked to Eddie, who I, we didn't actually know at all. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, we're this band from Southern Northern California. Can we play tonight? He's like, oh man, I I would love to let you play, but we already got like five bands on tonight. I was like, we're like, that's cool. <laughs> did they at least let you come into the show? Yeah, yeah, that's, they did. That's, th- cool. that's also, that's so awesome that you guys went and asked. Uh, I mean, me and my friend Brett were talking about the the whole thing of like, oh, you got to be in the right place at the right time. It's all luck being the right place at the right time. And I'm like, no, you have to ask. <laughs> that's, that's way more than <laughs> yeah. being in the right place at the right time. It's be every place and ask. And sometimes you'll get, you'll probably get no like 90% of the time. But then one time someone will be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and then you get yep. your big break. Yeah, it only has to work right, one right. time. <laughs> so you do you consider ska like like a lot of ska fans take ska as part of their identity? Do you consider it as part of your identity? Um I know you joke about it on on Facebook and stuff, but is it something that's important to you in that way? It is in a in a way of being defiant like I don't know. The word atheist is definitely a part of my identity, but, but I never mm-hmm. even wanted to call myself an atheist until there was so much resistance to it that I was kind of like, F that. Like, you know, I mean, I would rather describe myself as a member of the church of the subgenius. It's way more fun. Um, but there's all this blowback to being an atheist and there's this whole, you know, <laughs> so I think the contrarian in me, like I am a genuine ska fan. I love ska and, and I'll defend it because as you've pointed out numerous times, most of the people hating on it don't actually know what they're talking about. But as far as letting it be a part of my identity, there's a part of that where like, you're not supposed to. So I'm like, screw you. Like I am going to, you know, I'm going to embrace it. Keith, when you, when you moved up to Sacramento, what year was that? Uh, that was 1974. No, oh, I'm, wow. I'm just saying really? that to mess with you because our age our age Come difference on. came up a minute ago when I was <laughs> I was guessing early '80s and you guys were oh <laughs> like we were born yet. <laughs> no, I moved up. I moved up to Southern California. I mean, to Northern California. I guess that would be uh, probably around '86. Okay. And then, and then, like around what time did you start going to shows in Sacramento? Uh, about a year and a half, two years after that, my older brother Edward would he my three older brothers all stayed behind in Southern California, but Edward would come up a lot and visit, and he took me to see Seven Seconds at a place called the Second Level, uh, and I remember Team Urinals opened, um, and they were great, and it was just God, the show was so much fun. 
that that was it. I was hooked. I, I the, after that, I went to every live show I could. I started a cable access TV show profiling local punk bands called Local Trash, and then it became Underground Sounds. And just recently, like clips from that have been surfacing on YouTube and Facebook, and just totally cracking me up because you see me with just like a whole can of hairspray in my hair, like no personality. Like yeah. this next band is from Roseville, California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Once I started going to shows, you couldn't stop me. I wanted to. And then when I, you know, by the time I was like 17, I was literally like three or four times a week at a show. In fact, I'm sure, I'm sure I was at some of the same uh, Skank and Pickle shows (laughs) that Aaron was at. Yeah. Um, So uh, the furthest back as far as Sacramento and Ska I can think of is Punch the Clown. Did you ever see that band? No. They were like Davis, right? I think they were Davis. No, I never. There okay. was a band named Lawsuit that played with Ska. They weren't a Ska band, but they played with Ska, who I liked a lot. And then there was Filibuster, who I was okay. a huge fan of. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Filibuster is one of those bands I would go see every show. Um, you Didn't you like roadie for them, or were you were like close friends with them I at some point, right? I was trying to like get into management to, to kind of try my hand at that. And, and I love those guys. Like all of them are really great guys, but I discovered that like managing musicians is not a job for me. It's impossible. I mean, you know, it's the whole like herding sheep kind of thing. Um, and how many, how many people were in filibuster? I think I know they were huge and they would travel in that big old school bus that they had. You know, and yeah, I mean, that's every yeah. band. And I, I love the, the whole thing of like on the road, like rent a hotel room for two people and then like everyone take a turn in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most yeah. of you are going to sleep on the bus, but just everyone get in and get a shower while you can in the hotel room. And we didn't, my band never, one time we rented a hotel room, but every other time it was crashing at people's that's houses. That's me doing comedy. Like I stay in a hotel room if someone pays for it on the odd, you know time yeah me and johnny are notorious for showing up at a gig and forgetting to find a place to sleep and we'll close our set with all right thank you guys you've been a great audience and if anyone has a place for us to sleep tonight we could use it (laughs) yeah that's what we did too yeah i think we we made a game of it you know we would we would talk about how we needed a room and everything and people we always got a room it was people like wanted to give us a room which was just so funny but you know, I mean, if we went on tour now, like if Adam and I went on tour now and did that, it would just be so weird. I mean, like I think cause... now it would be easier because you wouldn't be asking kids who live with their parents; you'd be asking adults. <laughs> now that's assuming that adults would be coming to see us and not right, kids. Right. I mean, I I feel like I feel like adults are going to shows now more than they were then. Because yeah, that's they're true. The same, they're the same people that were teenagers back yeah then i'm real that, sorry aaron but the, the there's less the of them. kids don't want to come see you aaron <laughs> sorry buddy <laughs> i feel feel bad so, so you were almost so wait just just to kind of reiterate the before so you were almost a ska manager yeah i guess i i guess i was almost yeah like i i booked a couple of gigs for them and i i mean some things are like cringeworthy to think about like i remember i actually went to them with a musical idea once like hey what if you guys did this and i think back on that and i'm like i'm not even a musician like who the hell did i think i was and they were probably what, i don't what even was the idea say, but they were probably just like totally totally <laughs> humoring me you know just like oh yeah keith oh, that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> you've done uh, you've done some ska stuff in your comedy act have i probably 
<laughs> I can think of one joke. I'm just curious if if there's mo. There if probably there's is. What's the one joke? Remind me, and then I'll. Uh, you have the joke with the hat, and you have the, the depending on how you oh, wear right, the hat, right. it says something different yeah. about you. Yeah, that's a good. And so, the joke being that if if you one position, it means you play trombone. Right? Why band. is it always trombone? Like somehow, like even as geeky as like being in a ska band supposedly is, like being the trombone player in a ska band is the geekiest. That's like as geeky as you get. I guess because you're not like the bass player could also play in a hardcore band or whatever, but not the trombone player, not so much. <laughs> you know, tr- <laughs> yeah, trumpet could the- blow some Miles Davis or whatever, but the trombone player, nah, that's he found his place. That's where he belongs. Yeah, I was gonna say like all the other horns at least could play in jazz, right. but trombone. I've heard some badass jazz trombone, I- but it's not it's not that well known or respected. But it's crazy because trombone is actually a really it, cool instrument. 100% and, and like, agree. And to be able to nail it with the slides, it just sounds so yeah. cool. So I think that if you wore your hat in a really cool way, you would look like you played trombone. I've totally band. forgotten that joke. So it's a it's a hat with when the when the, the hat in question is right next to me. But when the when the brim's mm. all the way up, it's uh, I'm in a ska band. And when I put just the front down like a fedora, then I'm like, you know, my lady, like, oh, then I can explain things to women. That's what it is. <laughs> and then and then when I put it all, I think that's the punchline. That's the last. And when I put it all the way down, uh, I'm ready to go fishing uh, or listen to cake. Was was Filibuster pretty much the only game in town for, as far as ska bands in Sacramento in the 90s? No, there were other ska bands and and, um, and uh, dub was getting big a lot of people were playing with that there's there was a great sacrament i think they were a sacramento outfit called um the defendants and hmm. um oh what's his name there was a, a like a dub producer dude from here called oh was he dr echo he's dr something yeah dr echo he was he was sacramento because he played with um steve borth who was in less districts and he was later in linking yeah, he, that that dude was fantastic I went to see yeah. Filibuster one night and the defendants were opening and the defendants finished their set, but like half of them stayed on stage and then like half of Filibuster came on stage, but everybody grabbed different instruments than they normally played. And like an hour and a half later, this is still happening. People are swapping instruments and just like having this crazy multi-band jam session. And I was like, this is so much better than if everyone just played their sets, you know, it was like the coolest thing. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had a pretty cool little uh, ska community here and there were other bands too. I don't remember all their names, but what, what was it about them that you like so much? Cause I know you you don't often talk fondly about bands from the nineties, but you talk pretty fondly about filibuster. Filibuster had, they weren't going for that goofy thing which I had a hard time appreciating the whole like, ha look how silly we are. And, and if anything, you've kind of increased my appreciation for that. Filibuster reminded that they, they were a little cooler. They reminded me more of like somewhere between Fishbone and Hepcat. They had, they weren't purist by any stretch, but they definitely had a strong, like original ska. They had, they had respect for it and you could hear it in their sound. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I don't know what else to say except that they were just great. I mean, I just really loved them. Um, it, this may sound funny from a comedian, but yeah, it's the guys that were trying to be funny that used to like kind of turn me off. Uh, I was like, yeah, I, I guess it only works you being funny if you're actually funny. <laughs> and a lot of it i was like oh i get it you're wearing um checkered pants (laughs) that's the joke so your hat's funny i don't know i didn't really it didn't do anything for me and and like skanking pickle who most people might think that's who i'm talking about no i actually liked skanking pickle i found them genuinely funny their stage energy was incredible um you know, and as you've pointed out, and and they could be serious as well. Which that's the thing. A lot of these bands that I dismissed, uh, giving them a second visit when reading your book, that was true of a lot of bands. Maybe maybe the secret was whether or not I was forced to give them enough time to show me another side of them, or if I just dis, uh, dis- uh, what's the word I'm looking for, just uh, gave up on them uh, too quickly dismissed them dismissed there... is the word i was looking for don't get old guys <laughs> yeah i don't adam's adam doesn't it's got a long way from old right so. i hear he wasn't even born yet in 1985 <laughs> still happy i get to be the young guy yeah. <laughs> in defense of ska will return in a moment what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Was there, what, how, um, let me ask you something really quick. Go ahead. Um, towards the end of like the whole third wave ska thing when everybody was really sick of it, I heard people try to call Cake a ska what? band. And I know that you you know those guys. I love Cake. Did you ever hear them have to deal with that because they, they had trumpet on some of their no, songs? No, that's so weird. See, that's the whole thing. Anybody coming at that with that? I never, ever, ever heard that. That's so weird. Yeah, and it just shows how dumb people are when it comes to ska. You know, I was thinking about this after the last time we talked, Aaron, and I asked you about your, um, you expressed some pretty harsh feelings towards uh, funk in your book. But but then you explained <laughs> that you meant that sort of like 90s, you know, pretty pretty much people doing to funk what a lot of people did to ska. How come when people talk about funk, they remember that there was this like original, beautiful form of music that for a brief period in the 90s, people did a really dumb version of like, how come with ska like that brief period in the 90s with the dumb version of it is all people remember? That's because Jamaican ska was virtually it, it unknown. It never got big enough. Here. And then, t- yeah, yeah. 
two-tone ska was always cult music here and so 90s ska music is the music that got the biggest right. here so it seems like it's the the primary music to people who aren't like deep i blame into the it. parents i mean my dad made yeah. sure i heard desmond <laughs> decker growing up you know was there so you had in the 90s was there a band that really turned you off to the whole 90s thing it's hard to remember yeah it's hard to remember why um but like like i really didn't like the mighty mighty boss tones who i look back at and i'm like they weren't that silly like for some reason i just i really didn't like them and then a lot of the other bands save ferris i didn't like um and again i look back at them now and i'm like no they had some pretty good stuff uh yeah, a lot of them, I, I think I just kind of, uh, I think it's the problem was me. I just, I didn't like the way they looked. <laughs> I didn't like the overall, like, just sort of goofy white guy thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, have no, you I seen pictures of Little I see, Buster? I can't recall if I've ever seen pictures of them. I mean, one, they're, they're a very diverse band, you know, multiracial. Uh and they mm-hmm. just looked cool as hell. And I'm sorry, I'm shallow, but that was a big part of it. I was like, these guys are cool. <laughs> I mean, that that definitely makes a difference. I think you touched on it with the checkered pants. Like the first time I saw the Boss Tones, uh, it was at it was at um, oh, what's that place in Mountain View? Shoreline. Right. And I was way up on the grass, and so they look like ants on stage, and so you could just see their backdrop, which was the big bulldog on like a a yellow plaid background right. and just that yellow plaid background was so garish and awful. And you could make out that they were all wearing these dumb plaid right. suits. And so like even, even a band like mustard plug, who I think is awesome. I, I've just gotten I into them. I had recently. written them off for years. Yeah. I'd written them off for years because all their promo photos, they were wearing those yellow, yellow blazers. Right. And I was just like, okay, these guys, there's no way this band. Is right. <laughs> right. Where is she? And then I was totally wrong. And it sucks because like those guys rule, but you, I wrote them off for you years. You look at Kenny Beasley from Kenny from Filibuster. I'm sorry, to this day, he is the coolest man you're going to see walking through Midtown. Like that guy's style incarnate. Mm-hmm. And he was a member of Filibuster. So, and this may sound weird, uh, but they sounded like they looked. I mean, they also sounded cool. They had style. You know, and it wasn't just like, hey, we're goofy and silly. It was like, no, these guys are, they were legit. Yeah, because I was so into Skank and Pickle. I don't think like cool, not cool, goofy. That wasn't quite the barometer I was thinking. I was thinking more like spectacle almost, like chaotic and creating a spectacle. And so that's kind of the, the, that's how we designed Flat Planet was to be, well, we're, we're just, we're just going to be crazy. We're just going to look insane. We're going to just kind of shock people in, in the way we act and the way we look. So we weren't thinking checkered pants and, and silly stuff, but we also weren't thinking we should look cool. It was more just like, whoa, that's not what a band's supposed to look like. That was kind of how we thought right. about it. I think you got to put that in context and look at you and then look at yeah. me. Like I'm a pretty good looking guy who... I've got good good fashion sense. Like I actually have a shot at cool. Like where for you, you'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, these guys are doing it in spite of, you know, the fact that they are nowhere in the proximity of cool. And so it makes sense that that'd mm-hmm. be for you. You'd be like, oh, I could I could do that, you know. 
it's always funny to me uh, just t- speaking about Keith's lips. Really <laughs> I, uh, I said I, mean, I can, can kind of remember equivalent of a straight face. I'm very proud of myself. Well, because I mean, you you look like a like a like a nice dad type oh, guy I'm gonna now, punch right? You in the head. I mean, not, not not trying to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's the wild. Like, I can I can remember what you. I can remember your your more '90s look, and you looked like kind of like a like a mean, cool hipster. I did kid, not. Right? You I did. did not. You got that. You got that heavy brow. <laughs> You look, you look like you're brooding. <laughs> I was brooding. Yeah, that's all. I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm saying it was a good look. So, so let, let's let's talk about Keith's fashion yeah, sense um, in the context of of uh, some guy who hated him online. What did he say about you? He said you were uh, Rick Nelson, something, some version of Rick Nelson. Tell, tell me. I that, don't remember. I remember he he mentioned Rick Nielsen from uh, Cheap Trick, and Nielsen. I was like. Yes, like that is all I've ever wanted was to be compared to him. Like all my dreams came true, and this guy was meaning to insult me. And I'm like, "Are you kidding? That dude is a fashion god." And then a short time yeah. later, I posted a picture of myself, and I said, "Yeah, this guy likes ska," because everyone kept, you know, like, "Oh, ska guy." And I had this picture where I thought I kind of look like a guy who would like ska in this picture. And immediately, Scott Soriano was like, oh, you look more like you like Cheap Trick. And I was like, yes, twice in one year. Like, I'm there. I have arrived. <laughs> yeah, so basically what we're saying is you look really cool. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. If you like Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. If you think Rick Nielsen looks and, cool, and so, so do I. And when when the Ska guys tell you look cool, you know, you know take that with how, <laughs> however sure, you want to take for that. sure. Remember, the first Ska guys I saw were mods. I mean, Ska can run the gamut from, yeah. like, the snobbiest cool guys in the world to these spazoid geeks that are like, we don't care! <laughs> we're just being dorks and we yeah. love it. <laughs> so, Adam, what were you saying? I was just going to say, I mean, like, kind of just piggybacking off of that, Keith Keith is definitely more of, like, the mod uh, two-tone, like, specials Ska, like, cool mm-hmm. Ska. And then you're more of like the chaotic, not goofy, but but like creating a scene sort of ska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, the the ska that really um, resonated with me was the more like punk. Operation league. Ivy is. Just, um, are they your patron so Operation saints? Operation Ivy is absolutely. They're, so, they're gods um, to me as well. So in Sacramento, for me, that was the less distance. Yeah. Did you ever see that no. band? No, I mean I might have. Like I like I said, I went to a lot of live shows back when, but I, I never got into them. I don't I don't recall seeing them. They didn't make like a big impression on me, but I know a lot of people really liked them. Yeah. I mean they definitely came off as a lot more of a punk band than a than a ska yeah. band. They just played really, really fast. And those recordings have not aged No, well. no. <laughs> I mean they it's it was all cool live, but then when you can actually make out what the dude's saying oh, no. on a record, it's just Yeah, solid. yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. So Adam, Adam, when you were um, in Link 80 and you guys were touring and stuff, I don't know. I don't know if you thought much about how you looked or your image as a band member, but what was sort of your approach to being in that band and, and being on stage and what you wanted to present your, yourself as? I mean, that band already kind of all had an aesthetic when I joined the band, which was like a hood rat hardcore kid, basically. Like mm-hmm. everybody wore like cut off dickies or camo pants and like a ball chain necklace i gotta gotta, gotta interrupt you there 
Okay. I I use that word hood rat exactly the way you just used it, and all these people corrected me. Oh, is it is it apparently bad? Apparently, hood rats are like girls that like give it up easy in the hood. <laughs> that's what people. That, oh, sure. so I should I should, I should that's mean what more people like told me. Like I don't know if they were know. right or, yeah. or not, but it, I I was like describing me and my friends as hood I rats. Could, I could see and I, that. Someone was like, ah, no, yeah. and I was like, oh, come on, I could I could be a promiscuous young lady if I want. I thought I could pull yeah. it off. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. You guys had you guys had your look. You were all promiscuous. We were all promiscuous, ladies. promiscuous ladies of the night. Um, but I mean, they all just kind of we had to stress like a hardcore band kind of, and then Dude. it eventually evolved into like an all black thing. Like we were wearing all black for a while, but not like goth all black. And then, and then around that time, like the band refused happened. So then we all thought, oh, maybe we should like clean up our image a little bit and like start wearing like nice V-neck sweaters and ties. Um, mm. That never that never really sticks though, because when you're a band that sweats yeah. a lot, wearing anything with like long sleeves, oh, and it's so much work. A bad like, yeah, keeping a, a look like that up. <laughs> Did you conform in a sense to? the band or was it like a natural extension of sort of your, your identity already? It was was already a natural extension. I mean, I feel like when I was trying, when I, the few shows that I played with flat planet, I was trying to like dress like flat planet. Like I, like I had some, like I didn't wear glasses at the time, but I remember I got some glasses that like had clear lenses or maybe had no lenses. (laughs) And I, and there, you can see pictures. I wore those definitely at the show we played with link 80 at club Cocodry. And I wore a fucking Mm -hmm. taco Bravo shirt at that show. And, uh, and then you can see the picture from that horrible street fair that we played where I'm wearing that like baseball tee that's way too big. And so I was just, I was like, I definitely wanted to dress more punk, but I felt like in flat planet, I had to toe the line more between like punk and like the wackiness of like Vianelli. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't feel like I could just look like hard on stage. And then, like, I mean, in high school, I dressed like pretty goth at times, like fishnets and bondage yeah, that's, collar. And that's kind of how I remember you as being more. I don't remember you being like super into goth so much, but I remember you kind of looking more like oh, a goth. I mean, I was I really would... into like heavy and industrial oh, stuff. Man, I would pay money. Like Skinny Puppy. I was loved my Skinny Puppy. I would pay money to see Adam in, in his goth gear, though, if you have any pictures. So, so here's here's the thing, also. So, me and you talking about Skinny Puppy right here. Um, and one thing that I've always like, so industrial was like my shit as a teenager, but then I kind of ended up in, in ska because that was what was happening. And so for years we would talk about doing like, what if you mashed up industrial and ska? Oh, I like it. And uh, I've actually, I was talking to the guitar player from mustard plug about it because he actually has kind of an industrial okay. band. And I was like, I was like, okay, so the two of us being the guitar players in these ska bands, uh, have you ever heard of a band trying to mash up ska and industrial? And he's like, absolutely not. And I was like, I think we should try to do it. And he's like, I think we should. So may- maybe that's something we'll get oh to. My God. Where guys. are they out of? Where is Mustard Plug? From? It's a Grand Rapids, oh, Michigan. Okay. So yeah, yeah they're not, right. you're not neighbors or anything. No, but I mean, with the internet, we you know how well. I got into them. I complimented uh, recently, like in the last couple of years, I complimented a dude on his tattoo at Trader Joe's. Like the guy, he was ringing up me and my daughter and I saw the little mustard logo, little angry looking container of mustard. And 
I was all, oh, that's a cool tattoo. And he's all, you're into mustard plug? And I said, no, I have no idea what that is. I just like it. And he's all, oh, dude, do you like Scott? I was like, hella. And he's like, you should check him out. So me and my daughter, like, literally got in the car and put him on. And she she took to him first. My daughter was like, these guys are great. And then, <laughs> over a little bit of time, I came to appreciate him as well. That was mustard plug and the toasters were one of the last shows I got to see before lockdown. Oh yeah. And uh, that was at Holy Diver. I think the show was oh, packed. Yeah. It was, it was probably so super, packed. I bet it, it was, was a ma- super spreader event. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I was like, and I was even talking to um, the guys in mustard plug and they were amazed too. We were just, we were all just like, wow, maybe people really are getting more into Scott now. Cause look at this. This is, a lot of people and I mean, like, yeah, we played we played the night before with him at bottom of the hill and it was packed and i yeah. i was like i was like oh maybe it'll be an okay show and it was like middle of the week too like i think it was a yeah. wednesday or a thursday night and like we went on stage first and i was like oh we'll play to like maybe like you know 30 or 40 people and it like jammed out like it was packed that's all the way pretty to the back. dope it was great <laughs> so Keith, do you do you annoy do you annoy your friends with ska is that is that a thing that happens yeah so you know i go on the road a lot with another comedian johnny taylor and mm. uh he loves like hair metal like i mean he'll play like metallica and slayer and stuff and i'm like cool you know i'm into it but then he'll start playing like warrant and uh, who else? <laughs> Name some bands. He's into them. Like, the, you know, just the worst uh, from that period. Uh, you know what I mean? By like, you know, like, yeah. wow, why can't I think of any of them right now? I can't. I don't know that scene Dude, he, either. Cause he like genuinely it. likes Striper. Like the Christian metal band. <laughs> and, and they were coming yeah. to Sacramento and we were like, let's go see him. And I would totally go just for the spectacle of it. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm in, dude. But we, we didn't end up going. But um, so yeah, he'll play a bunch of hair metal and then finally I'll get tired of it and I'll put on my ska playlist. And, but it's like part of me wants to bug him with it and then part of me wants him to genuinely admit that some of it is super dope. So I like really curate the list, you know, and the, the furthest I've gotten him to go is to admit that like Toots and the My Tals are pretty cool or are okay. He's like, oh, they're okay. You know? Okay. <laughs> uh, I was I was mega surprised to find out that that dude doesn't like Scott because he straight up looks like he likes <laughs> and he's gonna hate me for saying that's fighting words. I'm gonna tell him you said that. He he doesn't really like country much either, and I love country. And uh, one time he's flipping through the channels and he comes on this like old country, like the kind I like, and uh, he goes, "I'll leave that on for you, dude." I was like. <laughs> oh thanks Johnny I really appreciate it and he's like yeah well you haven't played any ska for a while <laughs> so, I was like oh okay there's a, there's a lot of people that claim to hate ska that I feel like actually would like ska if they heard the right stuff and I definitely felt like with Johnny when I talked to him on his podcast that that was a lost cause he was just not going to like ska that there was because no because I to... had so many chances to play him so many yeah. different i mean i attacked it from so many angles yeah that's a tough nut to crack right there maybe someone can do it but i it wasn't me um yeah and it does. that's so weird i feel like i feel like there's a ska band for yeah everybody. that's how i feel too and it 
sometimes I get self-conscious about trying to like get people to give it another shot because I don't want to be like a Zappa fan because I really hate Zappa fans the way they're like no no you gotta hear this album and I'm like oh fuck you like if I've listened to four or five albums of the guy that's enough like stop torturing me with Frank Zappa uh and if both of you right now are thinking of which Frank Zappa album you want to play for me, go to hell. But um, no, I hate, I don't like, but I Zappa. don't, I don't feel like it's like that because Zappa's just Zappa. Scott's huge over so many decades and different cultures and countries. And you know, like how can you not like all of it? Like I remember when, when people would say they don't like country to me, it always sounded like, yeah, you don't actually know much about music. Like to, to dismiss any whole genre, People would be like, yeah, I don't like disco. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, well, then you're a moron. Like, I don't really have anything to talk to you about. But if you say it, I almost feel like with ska, that's more true than it is with anything else. Like, like it's almost like saying I don't like rock. Like, rock is too big of a, you know, rock encompasses almost everything. Like, how can you say you just don't like rock? That To me, that's what it's like when people say they don't like ska. Like, no, like ska. Like, no ska? Like, you don't like from from like desmond decker to to like toots to up to the specials up to mustard plug operation ivy you don't like anything in there like how is that possible it's yeah dumb like when i interviewed um when i interviewed pauline black from the selector and she just drilled me right away on the idea of like why i was defending right. ska and i was kind of uh tongue-tied a little bit because i was didn't expect that and I knew right away when she said that, I was like, oh, well, it's just going to be hard to explain to her because in the UK, ska is not really dismissed or mocked in the same way it is in the, in the US. Um, but, you know, I was trying to give, I was trying to explain it and I was kind of stumbling over my words. And she, eventually she's kind of like thinking about it late in the interview and she's kind of going like, well, I don't, you know, I don't get it. It's just a beat. You know, that's kind of how right. she's thinking. It's just a, the beat's just different. It's like, yeah, it's just like you don't like rocks. So you don't, you just don't like it if the beat's different. Like, I don't, I don't get that. So, I mean, I think to your point, it's like kind of sort of is the case. It's like just a different beat. It's all it is, like really. We're kind of yeah. saying something between the lines here that we're not really coming out and saying. We're all agreeing that Johnny Taylor is a moron, right? Is that, <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're getting at? Johnny, Johnny has pointed out Are on you? stage that I, I don't do roasts. Uh, and yet, and yet I just roast him constantly. And yet here yeah, you he's are. The one, he's the only so, person so I like to roast. You're dragging us into your podcast right. battle. No, you guys are part of it now. I hate you guys now too. Dude, they said something like 80,000 new podcasts started with the pandemic. I was like, boy, that's a lot of enemies if I'm going to hate everyone with a podcast. Oh, shit. You're not going to have any comedian right. friends. I already didn't. <laughs> Do you have like, I wanted to give you, I wanted to see if you can give me your top five, I don't, either ska songs or ska bands, whichever one you feel more comfortable with um why don't we just go bands all right um well toots toots and the mytals uh you know that i'm a huge fan uh mm-hmm. and then uh and then the specials mm. and uh that's it that's all i like come on <laughs> Three more. Go. Operation Ivy, definitely. If you're waiting for me to say your band, it's not going to happen. No, you don't have to say that. And then Adam's band. Um, Come on. Filibuster in there. (laughs) Okay. Filibuster in there. And now I'm really going to think about this next one because it'll be my last one because that was four, right? 
Yeah, let's go Scottalites. Can't go wrong with the Scottalites. Wow. I can't believe you dissed Fishbone. You know, Fishbone would go on my top five bands, period. I don't always think of them immediately as a ska band, even though they definitely played a lot of ska. But they played, but you know, that was just one of like a lot of genres that they played with. But, but yeah, maybe I should have included Fishbone. I love, I love Fishbone. Speaking of Fishbone, you told me before that you were at the Warfield show that's in like the beginning of the Fishbone documentary. I think you can see me. I'm in a green army jacket that I wore all the time back then. And there's Uh a guy in a green army jacket sort of like getting thrown around, like, you know, like in the pit or whatever. And I'm like, I think that's me. I think the guy that just sort of looked like he got thrown to the ground. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) What what do you remember about everything? that That was one of the greatest shows I've ever been to in my life. I remember at one point, dude is on the keyboard, right? And he has it on that little like monopod. So he's like dancing around with it and, and the keyboards are moving while he's playing them. And I see a horn come flying through the air towards his head. And it really looks like it's going to hit him. And he never misses a beat. He just reaches up and plucks it out of the air without looking. Plays a solo on it and then throws it back again. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen happen at a concert ever. Uh, Angelo stage dove and then crowd surfed all the way to the back. And then, you know, at the back of the Warfield, Warfield, there's like the area where you're all standing and then it goes up a level and there's some tables. He climbs Mm -hmm. up there and he starts jumping on people's tables and he's dancing on people's tables and they're having to reach out and hold the table to keep it from falling over. Uh, And then he, and he's got like a cordless microphone, you know, so he's like back there singing. And then, he rolls all the way back to the stage again. At this point, he gets on stage and his pants are ripped open and you can see his ding dong. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's so cool. He looks down, he's all, oops, and he just keeps singing. And a roadie, like this is just something that happens all the time. This roadie just runs out with tape, pulls Angelo's pants flap up and tapes it back in place. And he finishes the song before he goes and changes pants. Um, just one of so many ways it was a great show. Then they they finish their allotted amount of time for because it was a pay per view special. That's why there is such good footage from it. So my roommate is actually at home watching it from home. She was bummed she couldn't go, um, but she did pay per view and was watching it the, the same concert that we were at. You know, which was pretty wild. So then they finish, and Angela comes out and says, "All right, so the cameras are off now, and we wanted to reward all of you for actually coming." You know. And at that point, they're all in their, like, old school clothes. Like, they'd all done a costume change. And then they just played a bunch of, like, old school fishbone, like old ska stuff. And it was incredible. That was, like, the best part of the show. And that part wasn't even on camera. It was one of the all-time great concerts I've been to in my life. And my mom, my mom is, like, pretty religious, uh... And she, you know, you couldn't have a t-shirt with the F word on it. Like even my skinny puppy t-shirt with the two skeletons on it. She's like, ah, that doesn't look very Christian. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding, mom? This looks positively biblical. Uh, but I, I came home with a shirt that said, fuck racism. And I didn't think about it and just threw it in the hamper. So later my mom's washed it and folded it. And she says, 
I don't think it's necessary to use that word, but I like the message. <laughs> I was just like, cool, <laughs> thanks, mom. <laughs> I won't wear it to church or anything, I promise. <laughs> so, That's so awesome. yeah, my mom approved of the fishbone fuck racism shirt. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Did, did your parents, like, trip on any of the music you were listening to? Um, oh, yeah, totally. So I'll, I'll tell them. I, I don't want to hear Adams, but yeah, because we both grew up in religious families. But I was not allowed to listen to to whatever, secular music um, as a kid. And so I had to listen to Christian music. And then I kind of started to sneak out of that by listening to, like, 50s rock and roll, which kind of... My mom kind of got a little weirded out, but she didn't, didn't also because it's kind of hard to be offended by 50s right. rock and roll in, in, in the 80s. And then eventually I kind of started listening to alternative radio sort of secretly. And then she occasionally would, would take issue with something. And then I kind of stood my ground and then she kind of backed off. And eventually I was just listening to whatever I was listening to. But it was, yeah, it was definitely a, a bit of a battle that I had to kind of work through. And then... I was just begging to go to shows. I wanted to go to shows so bad, and I didn't get to go to my first show till I was like 16, and that was a uh, Living Color Ooh, nice. at, in um, in San Jose. And actually, oddly enough, Kings X, who were a Christian band, were the oh, opening wow. band. So, Adam, so you grew up in a Mormon family. So, what was your situation? So, um, in like the Mormon youth group, we'd have these church dances that were actually DJed pretty well, and so it was a lot of like modern rock, like. Um, Depeche Mode and, and The Cure that oh, would cool. get played. Yeah. And it was actually, I think it was uh, the first time I ever heard One Step Beyond was actually um, at a church dance because there were a bunch of these. That is one of the greatest songs Angry. ever written. Oh, and the, the best part Especially was so there's that whole spoken intro right. of that song, and the DJ would play that. And um, everybody would just, you know, since, you know, they'd just been playing Erasure the song before, uh, suddenly it would just break in with that, hey, you. And everybody would just kind of look around like, what right. the, and the mod mod kids would all kind of like, you know, oh, like shuffle out to the middle of the floor and they'd have like, around the, and they'd, and the song would kick in and they'd all start skanking and it was the coolest shit. And nobody knew what the fuck was happening, but all of a sudden <laughs> it was just like, fuck yeah, like go crazy. So that was probably one of my first experiences with ska. And then the best was on the church dance cards because, you know, they were playing all this stuff and it was getting weirder and more aggressive. The first time I heard Nine Inch Nails actually was oh, at wild. a church dance. They somebody The DJ played Head Like a Hole. <laughs> and yeah, it was insane. And so they had these dance cards that you had to sign that had all the rules on them. And so they they wrote like no ska and or mosh dancing. Oh my and they God. had spelled ska s-k-a-w and they'd spelled mosh m-a-u-s-h oh, i love it <laughs> so oh, man you gotta find that flyer 
Yeah, it was, there were just these little cards that you had to carry in your wallet, and you and you signed them, and it was like a promise that you weren't going to break the so, rules. It was, it was very similar to the Gilman uh, membership when, cards. When so. I was really young, back before you kids were born, I was in. Uh, I, I would go to uh, Cal Skate in Riverside, and I went up and asked the DJ if they would play uh, "Rock Lobster" by the B52s, and he's all, "I don't play that damn song no more." And I was like, why not? And he's like, why don't you ask your brother and his stupid friends? So I went home and I was like, John, why won't the DJ at Cal's Gate play Rock Lobster? And you know the part where they go down, down, down. I guess all the punks would like lower themselves lower and lower to the ground while skating. And then when the music kicks Mm -hmm. in again, they would all do the worm. (laughs) So they're doing the worm with their skates. You know, skates will hurt if like you accidentally kick someone with your skates while you're flailing around like a maniac and people that are trying to skate are tripping over them. And DJ was like, oh, there's no way. Uh Uh-uh, screw that. And he would never play Rock Lobster again. That was one of the rules. Wow. (laughs) Did you have a moment or did you come go away from Ska and then come back to Ska? Did that, was that part of something that happened to you as you became older? Or were you always just kind of had the same level of interest in it? I think that the people that did that more were the people that got into it passionately for the first time when it was the goofy, like like when it was at its height in the nine. And because mm-hmm. I'd already been into it then and then wasn't that into that period of it, uh, I don't think I had that experience as much. I loved most of the ska that I loved was, you know, bands that were already broken up by the time I was uh, in my later teen years. Mm-hmm. And and then that was still true later. And, and I still liked them just as much. So I don't think I had that experience as much. I think that whole like, like kind of ska shame or ska like denial of your ska past was i think that that's more of like your generation of ska and i think i'm just mm. a few years ahead of you and it made it it put me in because i i think i was probably one of the jerks that was kind of being a snob towards you guys <laughs> you know so if anything uh, um but i do like i said there's that that part of me that wants to be um contrarian and so i do think that i uh i got more like kind of obnoxious about putting it in people's face that i loved ska as more and more people i felt were being dumb like because they did the same thing with country for a while there was a period there where everyone i knew was really hating on country and then there was a period before that where everybody was hating on disco which i think those that's the reason i chose those two genres earlier and with all Mm -hmm. of those like when everyone was hating on it, like I got more obnoxious about liking it. You know what I mean? I just like, Oh yeah, well you got to listen to this. (laughs) You moron. (laughs) I definitely, I definitely had ska shame, but it wasn't um, about my own band. It was about like the bands, like real big fish. Mm -hmm. Um, I I actually worked as a, um, I worked the barricade for the front of the stage for a show that they played. And the venue had erected this like shitty wooden, barricade that probably if it had actually gotten pressed on would have crushed me to death <laughs> but so i just stood behind this piece of plywood and watched these kids have a great time and like sing and dance to this music that i felt was just fucking awful. how dare they and i remember i actually had a sharpie in my pocket and and since i didn't have to catch anybody i just kind of hunched down at one point and i had this piece of blank plywood in front of me and i just wrote i hate music i hate music <laughs> 
I used to love music and now I hate music. And I wonder if anybody from Real Big Fish saw me do that. And that. <laughs> yeah, didn't they have a wave of band members that quit at that point? No. <laughs> I mean, the weird thing now is like, I look back on them, like, and definitely your your book points it out, like, that, you know, I don't know, like, like, yeah, like the Hawaiian shirts and shit are goofy, but they, even they know it's goofy. And they've done a whole bunch of cool, fun stuff and they've worked super hard. Yeah. You, you know what my big takeaway from your book was though? And it, and it, it's still kind of mm. hitting me in pieces. I was just thinking about it the other day where I was remembering that long before that period of ska, when I was in junior high, the horn section of the band was the, they were the funny guys and they always wore silly mm-hmm. hats and they would, you know, whenever someone in a band performance did a funny thing, it was the horn section in, in high school band, you know? And, yeah. and, and again, in this case, junior high band. And I thought, man, I just dismissed these guys as being like dorks or whatever. Who am I? The cool jock. I was like, these are band geeks that made being a band geek cool for a minute. How the hell did they do that? Mad respect. Like I may not be that into it, but if you can make being a band geek cool, dope. Like that's, you know, and not like the guys like, you know, you're Eddie Van Halen and you're like, oh, I used to be a band geek. No, they stayed band geeks and made the world move over to them for a minute. That's dope. That's actually really respectable. All righty. Mr. Jensen, I think that covers it for this evening. Um, yeah, no, I have a special called Not For Rehire. Mm. And uh, if you guys haven't left reviews for it yet, uh, I will feel like you don't love me. Um, I would very much like everyone to go review it. It's on Amazon Prime, so you go watch it for free. So seriously, writing reviews is the least you can do, you cheap bastards. Um, mm-hmm. But I am immensely proud of it and put a lot of work into it over many years. And so... Mm. Uh, I hope that you'll check it out and enjoy it. And then I have a podcast called The Keith Ol' Jensen Show. No, called Keith Ol' Jensen Presents The Keith Ol' Jensen Show with Keith Ol' Jensen. Gotta get the name Yeah, right. Not For Rehire is like, I would say, probably my favorite thing you've done. Oh, that's, thanks, buddy. And you literally put work into it. I did, Not just yeah. like comedy work. Yeah, like it's all work. about my jobs. And I, I think that your, um, your book, Punching Nazis... And other good ideas. I really like that too. That's one of my favorite things you've done. And awesome. you are working on another book. So I'm like, would you plug that? Uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough to be on the same label that published your book. Uh, or no, you don't call it a label with books. Uh, publisher, um, Clash Clash Books is publishing uh, what I was arrested for. Which is so? Do you know the the title is an homage to a Lenny Bruce album, and literally nobody gets that, so I might change it. But anyway, it's about all my experiences with uh, law enforcement. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you haven't already, subscribe to my Substack at. AaronCarnes.substack.com. And if you'd like to pre order my book In Defense of Ska, go to ClashBooks.com. It releases on May 4th, 2021. And on that note, we leave you by saying Ska now more than ever. Thank you.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.